Right, come on then. Let's, come on, let's. What are we talking about then? Uh, who's doing the intro this time? Someone say so. Intro E. Right, Bob, do you know what we're calling this, Bob? And that'll be the intro. More that's... bollocks. <laughs> that's sort of taken as a given. We could put that as a tagline just off the <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> so we're, we're back to part two of the baggage we've. That's the very one. The baggage we've dropped from our approach to karate. Last time we did the cultural baggage and this time we're looking at the baggage that goes with the physical side of the training, the aspect and things that we've dropped from there. So who wants to kick us off with that one? Shall we put in a disclaimer about the word traditional now? Because obviously a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about now is probably JKA. Well, you see, I, I, I look at traditional exactly with that it's traditional trademark. It's nothing to do with the term tradition. It's exactly. all to do with this is traditional karate and it is a marketing side of karate. Mm. It has nothing to do with longevity. Can, can I just say though, the, 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 the bunny is tradition aren't going to work on the, on the podcast. They certainly won't. <laughs> well, okay. They certainly won't. <clears throat> so anytime, what we're talking about is probably the practices that we were brought up with, which were generally sort of JKA type practice. It's 3K. 3K. Style yeah. karate. Yeah. But it's what is marketed and branded as tradition and it's what is yeah. accepted by everybody as traditional. So that's this, a big enough disclaimer for anyone who wants to start moaning about it in the comments. Yeah, I think so. I Good. Think so. Right. Someone, someone's got to watch it first or listen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> Okay, so we said we might do this as we would go through a class. So warm-up was the first thing, and I think we've all dropped traditional warm-ups. Funny is. <laughs> I mean, I like you, Brian. You were saying earlier, um, when we used, when I first started doing it, we had insane warm-ups. They were like 30-odd minutes, and they were like massive amounts of press-ups, sit-ups, running around, mm -hmm. squats, all that sort of stuff. And whilst I do a bit of that for warm-ups now, it's not in the same way. And it's not as intense. I mean, it wasn't a warm-up before, it was a workout. I think that's yeah. one of the things we are. Yeah, yeah. And I'd have to agree. I think it is a workout. And I, personally, I think, I think that could come under sort of supplementary training stuff that, because I think it is important to build a strong body. So like you say, all the press-ups and sit-ups that we're in the, I'm going to do the bunny is the traditional um, <laughs> Theme throughout the whole throughout the whole talk, the traditional warm up. Um, yeah, there was a lot of strength training, so yeah, you do need a strong body, really. Uh, but yeah, me, I, I look at that as supplementary yeah, training. But it, it's not what you go to it's not, a no, karate no. class for. It, no. Well, it's what a lot of people went to a karate class for because, as you say, they were going for an exercise regime and a discipline. Mm. Uh, but for the learning, no, no, it's 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 just a time filler. Well, that's it. And I think some of that maybe came from Okinawa, the birthplace of karate. Um, and I think when they did more sort of, you know, uh, the Hojo Undo extra exercises, and they would do that there because they wouldn't have that sort of stuff at home. Yeah, but they weren't going along for an hour and a half, two times a week, were they? Exactly. Yeah. So it was probably different in Okinawa, the birthplace of karate, to what it is now. <laughs> yeah, you need to check that out. <laughs> but I yeah, I would say also, I mean, that's, that's a big chunk of, let's say, if you, we just, you just touched on that, you know, an hour and a half twice a week, which is what most people do, I'd, I'd say, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd say, if, yeah, if we were to collect that data, I'd, I'd imagine it is a twice a week thing for a lot of people. So if you're doing a half hour warm up, um, you've got an hour of functional training after that, haven't you? You know, mm -hmm. so I think a third of your lesson is a, is a warm up. It's a bit much, so, really. While so we're we, talking, about, <clears throat> talking about that, we also skip to warm down, just so we sort of balance out. I know you should do a warm down. I've read enough exercise books and all this and all that. How many times did me and my club do a warm down? 1%, maybe? <laughs> Never, yeah. pretty much, because I'm too involved. I realise I've run over time. We're getting kicked out. We all got too excited. And, yeah, so warm downs... And I don't seem to suffer too much from not doing warm downs, but I think that's because I'm used to it. Our warm downs are having a chat in the car park, usually. Mm -hmm. 
And I know that's not the best for everyone, but that's how my training is. But I, well, I think on purpose. I'm going to say, I think probably in the last three or four, well, not counting this year, obviously, in the last three or four years, I've probably done a warm down half a dozen times at the end of a session because we don't. I'm, and this is where we're going to get way ahead of ourselves, going from warm ups to warm downs. But my session isn't a workout session. My session is a teaching and learning session. So we're not doing ballistic aerobic stuff that you need to de-stress your body at the end of. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the, the picture that most people would have in their heads when you say a, a, a cool down or a warm down would be a stretch at the end of the session. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and that would, you know, whether that was necessary, like Bob's just said, it would depend on the type of training you've just done. Mm -hmm. So if you're a little bit more athletic in your karate, um, where you're, you know, spend a lot of your time sparring, you know, you're doing high kicks and stuff like that, you'd want to stretch your muscles out at the end of it. Yeah. from my understanding, whereas our, our train is a little bit different than that. And, and just to wind down, I wouldn't even call it a warm down. I'd say maybe a wind down at the end. We could just run through kata, you know, mm-hmm. so just run through a slow, you know, the, the, the respective kata for each each grade, just run a, a slow wind down. Which, and it kind of warms you down a little as well. Which brings us full circle because apart from a bit of joint mobilisation that I do up front, kata is my warm up. We use carrots quite a lot. So I do about five minutes of just general mobilisation, making sure, just not ballistically, just working all the joints through a full range of motion. And then I join the line and we do kata. We start slowly and we gradually build it up, but we do keon and the five hands. And that's pretty much our kata sequence out of the way as well before we can focus on what I'm doing in the lesson but that is just our general warm-up and you're warming up using the movements that you're going to be using in training so so one of the things we talked about last time was uh the Caesar and the kneeling down on that Mm -hmm. one of the benefits of that people always say and I do use it for kids like that is that um it puts you in the mindset for training and if you're Mm -hmm. not doing that with the adults actually doing the kata can help with that well, yeah, again, that's part of the thing is by the time you've finished doing five kata, then you're in karate mode. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, I think I'm a little different in that then. So I don't do the, 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 the stretching and all that so much. We do a little bit within the warm up, but um, majority of my warm up is, is sort of functional skills that you'll be using in the class later on. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll do. Um, gripping drills so you know but I think the trouble is when you're doing it as a warm-up you've got to make everybody clear for everybody that this is a warm-up so when you start playing for grips this is we're warming up playing for grips everyone you know people start to get competitive so it no longer becomes uh, a warm-up it becomes a competition but we will do you know like like I say play for grips as part of the warm-up and it should be very loose and very light you know it should be no tension when we do it we do um we do tactile response drills. So, you know, the, the, the kind of sticky hands kind of drills, you know, just trying to touch your opponent's heads and they've got to deflect it. So, yes, our, our warm-ups are functional to what we're, what we're going to train during the lesson. That's yeah, and I, I think that's a valuable thing to do is if you're going to spend time in what is a limited amount of time each week uh, doing stuff, then you want to do some stuff that's relevant to the learning. Mm. And, and because I don't spend a lot of time, excuse me, Focusing on uh, tea. Thank you. Nice tea. <laughs> <Where's that? laughs> I don't spend a lot of time focusing on keeping the kata at the forefront of everybody's mind all the time because I just want to focus on working on whatever we're working on in any given lesson. And that may be one kata that we're working on for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's a good way of just getting those repetitions in every time we do it. We go through all those kata. So at least every time somebody's turned up, They've had a reminder of all those things, but it, it's still functional as part of the lesson as well as a warm up. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we do some drills, easy drills. Uh, sometimes even getting something to think about. So, like, I do my blocking drill, and then you go right. You've got to add your own block on the end, and how will that work? When I say blocking, I'm doing bunny ears and all that bollock <laughs> because the whole drill is about blocking. It's not blocking, and all that sort of thing. 
That makes sense, yeah, for anyone listening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Check out my YouTube channel. It's on there somewhere, I think. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, this is why you need to use the Japanese terminology, you see. Otherwise, you put a definition on it. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember. Oh no, it's the longest. So, so yeah, it's, it's been yeah, it's been nearly a year, isn't it, since we've been in a, in a class and having to do these warm-ups. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's trying to remember what you've done. But yeah, for us, it's, it's functional to what you're going to do. So because um, we don't particularly do when we do sparring, but when I spar, I don't go. I'm, I'm too old now anyway. But for for head kicks, you know, so unless I've swept them, they're not going to kick them in the head. <laughs> but yeah, so so I don't need to. Well, for for, for me, you know, to, trying to get. Uh, Flexibility is important, you know, because it will stop you having injuries and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't need to be able to kick people's heads. Yeah, uh, but those are, as they come under the heading again of ancillary training, those are the things you should be working on in your own time out of the lesson. You come to the karate lesson to learn, not to practice. But I suppose that kind of warm-up would be functional if that was your type of karate, then I yeah. guess. You know, yeah. so if you wanted to... Yeah, if, if, if competition was your main thing and, you know, kicking people in the head, you think's cool, which I, I still think it's cool, actually. But mm. um, but if that was your main thing, um, then, yeah, a functional warm-up for you would be, yeah, all that stretching, getting that flexibility. Yeah, so, yeah I suppose it's just... Run as well in a warm-up just to piss them off. <laughs> if I've had a bad day and I want to annoy people, I go, right, we're going to do a bit of running. So, and they're like, you're like, ha! Well, yeah, so, yeah. I, when I was a student, I always used to feel that as well. Oh, we're going to go running round and round in yeah. circles today. Then we're going to skip. Then we're going to we're, jump we're, and hop. It's, 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 it's functional. Uh, the, the running, you know, you, you're practicing your escape. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> what, we're going to do some escape drills now. Run. <laughs> yeah, move it. But yeah, but yeah, when we do the running, though, we, we do it sort of with, with agility. So you're kind of changing directions rapidly and stuff like that. And, and then some, mm. some, of the to- some of the times you're doing the drills, you know, you're aware of, what's going on around you as well. So well, you, people, you see, people... from my point of view, that sort of running, you need to be well warmed up before you do it because mm. that's where I'm going to bugger knees and ankles in yeah. rapid changes of direction running from yeah. cold. Again, you've got a temper. <clears throat> so we've got, I mean, you know, different people in the class. Dave is super fit and does everything to Carolyn, who's an older lady. Different types of warm-up. They can't do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they can, but they can't. You know what I'm saying? They have to do yeah, yeah. a warm-up for Carolyn. Uh, sorry, a warm-up for Dave would be like a session that would kill Carolyn. And, and, and you've got to, you know, so if you're doing whatever you're doing, you've got to make sure the intensity. Yeah. The thing is, with warm-ups, I'm sort of going off track as to what we do. But you've got to define what is the point of a warm-up. Oh, yeah. If you just want to be able to be mobile enough and have avoided any sudden rapid movements just to avoid injury, then all these other things aren't really relevant to it. You know, mm. you're, you're doing almost... a workout for the sake of a workout. That's not a warm up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I often start with a warm up or some sort of drill, and then I'll end up just going off on a tangent. And then you realize that the warm up has turned into the lesson, and you're like an yeah. hour. Oh, sorry about that. We finished the warm-up. Now we'll do something else. Yeah, but, but it's home time, you twat. Yeah. So we've talked about warm-ups for quite a while. Should we go <laughs> on to the, the, the next part? We've, we've warmed up now. We're ready to move on. <laughs> that, that, that was like a typical warm-up, actually, wasn't it? We, we spent ages on it, and now we've ages on it, and only part of it was relevant to what we were trying to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so so <laughs> we was looking at the next part of a. I'm going to use the bunny ears again now, traditional um, karate class. Um, we'd be looking at perhaps doing some keon. So, you know, what what, what keon, what, what do you do differently with your keon, would you say, compared to what you used to do um, back in the day? Now, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's defining what keon is. And we've had this conversation before because everybody else thinks keon is one thing. And I'm going to do the red beard rum here. Thing. Uh, I think it's something else. Which and, actually shows that Japanese terminology doesn't work either. Uh, no, it's because everybody else is wrong, basically. <laughs> okay, so that's Because no, Keon is... No, pe- line work. Okay, that's yeah, not... Let's call it line work then, yeah. Let's no, call but it that is, if we're going through the traditional 3K sort of... Yeah, okay, let's, fine. Let's start with line work. We'll refer to it as line work then. We can move on to other bits of Keon later, but let's start with line work. <laughs> I, think, I think that's... Yeah. 
Okay, I hardly ever do it. Hardly ever. Not never, but hardly ever. And if I am doing it, I'm doing it as repetitions typically of single movements. One thing I definitely don't do is five, six, seven, eight move combinations of things up and down in straight lines to count because I don't see any benefit to that whatsoever. It's just to effectively fuck with your mind and give you a good workout to make you feel like you've trained hard. But as a tool to learn anything from, no, because I, I, I see very few combinations that are valid, viable combinations that you're going to do in a straight line, moving from one transition to another. Makes no sense to me. So the most I will do, and this is where we're starting to get with the advanced students, the most I will ever do is three movements in a combination. And I'm reluctant to go that far, but yeah, that, that's basically it. It's transitioning one movement into a response and then into another movement. But I would rather do that in drills and I would rather do that with realistic directions than in line work. So when I say line work, we don't always, wouldn't always say do it straight for a start. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we also don't do long combinations. Our line work generally consists of line work that is pretty much mirroring the kata you're practicing at the time. Mm -hmm. So the line work, and the reason it's quite good doing it without a partner, because I always thought, oh, let's do everything with a partner, is people, if they haven't got the body mechanics down, they need to get those body mechanics down before they start. Yeah. But especially, and again, especially with the big roughy tufty guys, because they'll just start trying to use strength or do something to, to make it work rather than, okay, get this down first. Yeah. So it's a tool to get people to move their body right. Yeah, and this brings me back to where I was going in the first place with my key on, because my key on is body mechanics, and we do that in isolation. We work on that and fundamentally in a static position, break everything down. And if you need to move with it, we'll do that, but I'll break that down into the basic component parts in isolation. And then they might do five repetitions of that down the hall so that I can see what happens when they're doing it at speed. And once they start to puff a bit, but that's as far as it goes. So the key on for me is the fundamentals before you start the line work. These are what the body mechanics should be. And then I just use that up and down in the line a couple of times to see if they've got the hang of that. And it will fall apart as soon as they start using a partner with it. <laughs> but, but you need to do it in isolation in order to see that. But again, as you see, as soon as you start going into combinations in line work where you have multiple moves, you lose all those body mechanics anyway because everybody's so bent on moving from one to the next to the next to the next and not being the last person to do it. And often they pay lip service to the mechanics of it as they go through and it doesn't work. It's detrimental. And often yeah. focusing on that last big one for the key eye. Mm -hmm. It's like... Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Like yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I, I, would, I would say I don't do line work the way I used to do it. So when I, when I was with... Um, we're doing line work 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, this is probably as far back as I would say. Um, it was it was the long combinations, yeah, going up and down the hall in the long combinations. So yeah, I, I I've dropped that. So we still do line work, but not much. So um, I do occasionally mix it up like Andy does. So well, Andy probably does it more than I do, but um, putting catapults within the line work. So cast technique, you know. So so that that's one thing that we do. Yeah, we certainly shorten the combinations, but the combinations that I've done, and, I, and, I, and again, lockdowns made me think a lot about this, and I'm probably going to go back and change things when I go back, and I'll, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But yeah, the combinations, we sort of build up. So um, so we, 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 if, if it was a beginner, it'd be Agyuki. Then you know, the next one would be Agyuki Gakuzuki, or rising, rising block, reverse punch. You know, and Then you add another technique on. But the most we go to is four, 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 four techniques, um, otherwise, it's like like Bob said a little while ago. It becomes a, an exercise for the brain, and it's a cardio workout. Um, nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. You know, it's giving you that sort of workout. Um, what we do because we don't. Uh, one of my old instructors, it was boring basics, and I won't name him. <laughs> but you know, that's that. That was what he was known at. Boring basics. 
insert instructor's name or whatever. Um, and, and you'd spend, so, you know, we said earlier, you'd spend half hour on, on your, on your warm up, and then we'd spend, you know, more than half hour on basics, which leaves you a small amount of time to do whatever else. So yeah, a, a lot of the lesson was spent doing line work. Again, it's not that important to spend that long on line work. I don't think what we spend time doing instead is a bit of pad work. So we'll, we'll do some combinations on the pads. So rather than going up and down in a line, we'll do it um, dynamically on the pads. Um, another thing we've done for uh, line work, which we've changed, is because we're doing it online at the moment and everybody's in a small enclosed space, we'll do the four directions. So I think Harry, one of my guys, calls it Shiho, which is just four directional. So the old way of doing it was a, a reverse punch to the front and then go six o'clock, then three o'clock, then nine o'clock. Mm -hmm. So we tend to use directional um, key on or directional line work, which isn't line work now. So, And that's actually quite good because it gets you moving. So it, it gets you turning constantly. Um, we're not imagining that we're fighting people on four points of the compass when we're doing it. We're mm -hmm. using it as an exercise for, for mobility to turn the body. And it's actually quite good. Yeah. Um, quite enjoyed it. Yeah, we so, used to do that a lot when I was in my classical training, it was one of those things that cropped up fairly often. I've got to admit, it's not something I've done very often, but again, as long as you don't pretend it's anything other than an exercise in movement, it's yeah. a really good exercise for transitions. Going up and down in lines without- It, it without. gets you into the habit of, of random turning. And, yeah. yeah. But the random turnings, you can also relate to throwing or mm. whatever, you know, because when, when you throw, you turn, you know, so, um, and, and it's getting that good footwork and that good movement within within your key on rather than going forwards and backwards yeah well i think a lot of the reason you end up doing long combos and so we used to do that turning thing and then they put different combinations into the turning thing and the different turns whether you're doing a 180 or a 90 and, and they try and mix it up and i think a lot of that was because they didn't have anything else to teach yeah 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 and, and you sort of think oh someone does it really fast go, that looks pretty cool when you're a beginner <laughs> and then later on you go what why the fuck are we doing that well so it comes back to what i said earlier is is that you come to the dojo to learn not to practice and that was something i picked up from my instructor that was his phrase you know uh, basically the dojo is where you come to learn at home is where you get good and the concept i entirely agreed with but then we'd go to the dojo and we would spend 90 percent of our time practicing we wouldn't spend a lot of time learning. So the words were there, but we didn't actually practice what we preached. So for, for, for me then, so if, if I if I look back at how I used to train, it would have been half hour. So we're going through the lesson now, yeah? So half hour would have been warming up, yep. and then at least half hour on line work. So that would have left me half hour for training. So what I do differently now, um, I would have done my warm up, which is partner drills. So generally warm-ups are solo things in, in your old school traditional so so we'd have done some partner work already in the warm-ups the the, the 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 line work is a very small amount again um so some of that is solo drills other is partner work with with, with pads so um now i've probably spent about half hour of my lesson doing my warm-up and my line work or my key on mm -hmm. so that leaves more time to do you know more partner work you know, so the, the difference is, I think, the way I've structured what I do now, what I've dropped, you know, from, from old stuff, it, it allows more time to train with a partner. Because mm -hmm. a lot of my time was spent previously punching air. And, 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 as soon as you've got partners at the club. Exactly, you, you need to use them. Yeah, yeah. No point in doing everything solo at the club and then going home and going, oh, I'll have to do everything solo. If you've got a person there, that, that's when you can actually mm. try things out and... and mm work it yeah i mean so talking about partner work i mean one of the things that i know we've all dropped is five step committee Go oh, yes. yeah five step and three step and one step um mm. i'll come back to that yeah do, do come back to that yeah I, I, i've got yeah yeah so five step well yeah <laughs> what is that all about so yeah when, when, when i first dropped that i was actually it was one of the bigger things I felt like I was dropping because I, I felt it was, I felt apart from like Kata, I, I felt it was karate's identity. You know, I felt if I wasn't doing five step and one step, people are going to think you're not doing karate. Um, 
and, and, and funny enough, it was, it was a chat I had with um, John Titchen. And I said, you know, it, I, I want to drop it, but I just feel, you know, what, what I've just said, you know, I just feel it's not going to, uh, it's going to disassociate me from karate. And I mean, his, his thing, what he said to me was, um, you know, it's, it's teaching you bad habits from the off. You know, you're, you're stepping back and then you're doing it five times. You know, why, why would you, you should buy, by the time you've stepped back, you should then angle off or whatever you want to do. You know, so he said, don't be afraid to drop it. And I thought, yeah, fuck it, I'll drop it. <laughs> so I did. And yeah. What I find the interesting thing about that is <clears throat> people who used to do it <clears throat> sort of sometimes can miss it. Like you were saying there, but you're like, oh, yeah. But if you've got someone who's coming and they've never seen it and you've done applied bunny ears, karate again, and then you introduce them to that, they're like, what the fuck is that all about? Yeah. It makes no sense to them at all. No. Yeah. No, and in the cold light of day, from what we are trying to achieve with what we're doing, it does make no sense. It serves no purpose. And to be honest, in the traditional vein, it makes no sense other than being a thing in and of itself. You practice five step to get good at doing five step so that you can demonstrate your five step quickly and with speed and power. But it, it doesn't have any knock on to anything else. It doesn't relate to Kumite, doesn't relate to competition. Well, I was, I was going to say, one of, the, one of the big reasons people say they practice it, you, you, you can both, I'm, I'm sure you're going to say, you know, when, whenever you say to somebody there's, there's, no, there's no benefit behind it, what's one of the big reasons people say they do it? Because well, it improves. Timing. Exactly, yeah. And so it improves distance and timing. So it's like distance and timing for what? Yeah, for five step. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Or actually, five step does help <coughs> with um, three step. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Got its benefits. Yeah, I mean, you could say that, or because you're repeating that same movement over and over again, it's good for developing explosive power and covering distance and doing that. But there are other ways to do that that make far more sense. But the distance, the distance that they're practicing isn't good for Kumite because Kumite distance is a little bit further away, isn't it? Because if you're yeah. that close in Kumite, you can just twat them. Yes. Um, it's not if you're talking about self-protection or practice, you know, it's, it's not good for that either because the distance is that little bit too far away. So it's that kind of mm. in-between distance that is, is... No, it's a thing that only serves itself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's covered that and three step, <clears throat> which brings you to sort of one step. But, 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 have you replaced it with anything? Not five and three, no. no. One step is a different story. Yes. Okay. Um, one of the things, so James, it was James who came up with this Bunkai Kumite thing, which he called Bunkai Kumite before the term was now being used by whoever it's being used by for whatever the fuck they're using it for. But it was basically a one step for beginners that mirrored more an application from the kata and therefore sort of was a good introduction to them for that. We don't hardly ever use it because we don't get enough beginners in. If we get one beginner in, there's no point in teaching this sequence or doing this. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll just do what we're going to do. But if you had a whole class of beginners, it could actually be quite a useful thing. And it just shows them, oh, look, you do this. And this is this move from the kata. And that move from the kata also links to your key on. And it all sort of ties up together. So that's a easy, I've got the whole paperwork. It's a really good thing he came up with. And we have used it a couple of times, but... That's as close as traditional one step that we get. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. But yeah. We still don't do it very often. Well, the thing is, coming from an SKI background, we've got all Kanazawa's uh, Keon Ippon sets that we had before you move on to the Jew Ippon stuff. So I, I grew up in a world of one step drills. And although I've shown them to my guys just to, go through the exercise and practice and stuff. We don't do it as a general rule. So then I dropped them all together. And then I decided that there was value in one-step drills, but not those one-step drills. So I spent an age trying to work out for myself what I was going to do for one step, stepping offline, doing something practical and something that would be in key with a natural reaction, things that we do in kata and whatever. And I've been doing that and I'm still working through formulating what I'm doing to have a full set that I can teach as a progression. 
And then I think it must have been about a week ago. I don't know if it was Don came. Certainly somebody from Kiyashi can't, I can't say it now. Kisaki. Kisaki <laughs> posted a video of their beginner's uh, single step sparring. And I'm sitting there looking, I thought, Fuck yeah, it. yeah. I That's almost that. exactly what I've come up with so far. Yeah. So I, I good, suppose, yeah. yeah, I suppose in a way that's good because it just means it's an affirmation of, well, what I was thinking obviously is fairly commonly thought of as quite sensible because it looks very similar. It'd be interesting to see if that's like ours then. I'll have to have a look. Well, yeah. the first clue is always is the first step comes from an incoming attack and it's stepping off 45 degrees, mawashiyoki, and a response. You know, and that's that was the very first thing that I was going to do because again, if I'm going to teach anybody something to start with, it's the double tap off to the side and flat hand to the face. Yeah, so I, I, I would say we don't do we, we, we've already established that none of us do one step anymore. But mm -hmm. I think I think the only valuable lesson in that is 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 the getting offline, and yeah. that's you know, and funny you know we teach that from day one with, with students. You know, when, when mm -hmm. they're coming into the club. Um, with, with just a simple, really simple pad drill, but that that kill nippon isn't taught till it's sort of mid level, is it? You know, sort of early, early to mid level. So it's about green belt, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You don't start getting into it. Until so, yeah. Then. So through the belt system, you're coming up to you're coming up to sort of the middle sort of mm -hmm. ranks. That's quite a long time to be training, really, till you learn a valuable lesson like get offline. Somebody's trying to hit you. Don't fucking stand there. So yeah. Yeah, but to be fair, you never learn that lesson in the traditional path. You never get offline. Yeah. Mm. Those sort of, if you're looking at the Kanazawa drills, you probably don't start really moving off 45 degrees until you're at brown belt level, which time right. you'd have been training three years. Yeah, Before anybody suggests that not standing in front of somebody is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a sort of Sort of thing you want to learn from day one, really, isn't it? <laughs> Someone's going to hit you. Don't be there. Yeah. on. I don't do on either. No, because it's a leading to competition kumite style yes, fighting, isn't it? it? Is. And, and if that's what you do, I have been reliably informed by people who are very good at competition kumite that it's an excellent exercise. Mm. I, didn't, I was told by, um, I won't mention those, but she was an international competitor who'd won a lot of trophies and she said that that is actually better than free sparring. Mm -hmm. Really? I, 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 would have, I would have thought if you want to get good at kumite, do kumite. Yeah, you but... Know, and then do drills. The Jew kumite, she said, was really good because it, it as <laughs> Shotokan is a sort of like a, a dueling thing and it's like one point win, that's mm. what you're practising. Mm -hmm. Practising that little bit over and over again and then you yeah. can take that into your full kumite. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would pull you up quickly on that one, Brian, and say that you could equally well say that if you want to get good at fighting, just fight. <laughs> okay. So why do we train? Yeah. If you want to get good at getting fighting, you have to practice full contact. <laughs> no, no. But you have you you have to learn how to give a punch, you have to learn how to take a punch. You have to learn how to manage taking a punch so you can ride it. So those are part of body contact is part of it. But if it's like if you're saying, you know, this is where the training comes in. If you want to get good at fighting, you fight. You never learn anything other than. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a, 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 a okay. That's a sweeping statement. That yeah. yeah, there are drills that you would do to get. Okay, then, then if I'm saying there are drills that you would do to get better at kumite, then if you're saying juipon is one of them. But I, I think there'd be better drills to get better at kumite than than, uh -huh. than juipon. Um, I suppose, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I guess if, if this 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 um, person you're talking about, Andy, if you know, if, if she was quite successful and she sees that as task specific, that you know, by doing that, yeah, hmm. I won't argue with it then. Fuck it. For me, well, no, no, I mean, you know, I think horses for courses probably that is one person's yeah. opinion. I just remember it because I always thought this is a pointless load of shit, frankly. Although, so no, it wasn't Jupon. Was that one step or Jupon? It was one step. So we were doing one step and I had a load of beginners and, you know, you're like, oh, and this was donkeys years ago. And you're a bit bored. You get a little bit cocky, maybe. And I forgot that this guy was all <coughs> in Taekwondo. And I thought he's just like with the others. And we were doing the one step for a turning kick or back kick or whatever you want to call it. So he's doing a turning back kick. 
and everyone else, they're so shit. And you like, yeah, I'll do something fancy. I forgot with him, and he came in really fast and <laughs> the shit out of my ribs, something chronic. <laughs> three days of not being able to breathe without pain reminded me of a very good lesson. Yes. Don't underestimate anybody. <laughs> well, even somebody who's shit at it can get it right randomly occasionally. No, the others were so shit. They, they really... Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so so we've all dropped you Ippon as well then. Yes, yeah. because I'm not doing competition style sparring. Never have done. You know, since I since I left the old association, I don't get involved in dojo sparring. I haven't done competition for 20 years. So yeah, it, it's no relevance to what I do. But I do see the value in it as an exercise, but it is specific to the training that you're doing and it's not specific to what I'm doing. So we said Juipon leads on to Kumite. Do, have you, do you still do Kumite? Have you dropped it? Or? Depends what you call Kumite. Dojo style Kumite, free sparring distance stuff? No, none at all. Right, okay. Because I, we don't go for the Wazari or Ippon. We, we do spa. Mm-hmm. So in sporting context, because I like it. You know, it's fun. Oh, <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy yeah. it. When I come up to your place and we do it, I think, yeah, I used to really like this. Yeah. But again, I have limited time in the class. Mm. So if it's not of value to what I'm teaching, then it doesn't yeah. get included. We use that as one of our, well, not like competition, but distance sparring as one of our sets of sparring. So we have all our sparring separated out into different distances and different things you've got to do, and then it all gets mm-hmm. put together again eventually. Because mm-hmm. again, a lot of people go, oh, we'll just train it all at the same time. You go, well, no, because again, you've got people who... So the example, I, I can't remember where I usually give it, we had um, a young lady who was probably seven stone wet through, and then we had a guy who was probably 16 stone dry. Um, fat bastard. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> so it was a lot shorter than you, Bob. Uh, uh-huh. So anyway, <laughs> not that I'm not saying you're not a fat bastard. Um, but anyway, thank you. I'm well pleased to hear it. And so he would, if he could grab her, and all he'd ever want to do, grab people and try and take them down because he could work on the floor. Okay. Mm-hmm. He never wanted to get dragged down because she was so light. So if you left it to them, she would always be running away from that, and she'd never get any ground experience. And if you left it to him. He'd never get any stand-up experience. You've got mm-hmm. to split it so people yeah. again get different skills. Mm. And whilst it's all right saying, "Oh yeah, you've got to work to your strengths," if you're not able to work to your strengths, you've got to have some skills in the weakness area. Mm-hmm. So that's so we split us up. So we do do a version of that now, but obviously hook punches, all that sort of stuff is is available. It's interesting to see the people who've done quite a long time sort of default a bit more to a kumite yeah sort of thing and people yeah. don't as much so yeah I'd, I'd say we do it i don't know how similar it'd be but we do different ranges so we will do what well, well, i suppose the kumite that we do the sporting context um people would see it more like kickboxing rather than um point sparring so it's, it's that, that, that that'd be our long range sparring and then we do um sparring from from a clinch range where we'll just and again, you have to be quite controlled with that. You can put headgear on if you know if, if you so wish, but then you can do um, close range grappling and striking, or and then we can change that to grappling with throws. And then, like, and I know you do as well, Andy. You did you do some groundwork as well? Yep. So you separate all of those things, and you can you can train them individually. But then, you know, at some point as well, you can say, right, it's all in. But then, you know, when when it's all in, we don't go flat out because you know you're going to risk injury. It's, it's it's fun to spar at forty percent, even you know mm-hmm. nobody gets injured, and you, you develop skills that way as well. You know, if you're if you're going, if you're if you're sparring with all ranges and all, all skill sets. Well, I seem so, to recall, and I, I might be making this up now, but I seem to recall one of the sessions that I came up to at your place, Brian, where we did that sort of sparring, but you combined all of the ranges in as much as we would do distance sparring until you shouted change and then we're into grappling range and then you shout change and we move into and that's yeah yeah. but it's as a progression then it means that everybody's comfortable with knowing where they're going and what they're doing at any given time Mm. which then leads you into being able to react when random stuff happens 
Yeah, yeah. But I think but, the thing about sparring I always talk about with people is you've got to change everything all the time. Mm -hmm. so we train with head guards a lot, but then that and head guards and gloves, and then but that can develop bad habits of people punching to the top of the head where they yeah. shouldn't be. Um, some people train with no gloves at all, which again is not good for people who have to go to work the next day and like, why is your face ripped up? So you, if you do that, you have to do it really gently and easy. I mean, whether you people go, you've got to do it full contact or you've got to do light contact. Yes, is the answer, depending yeah. on when, and again, the student's development. Yeah. You've got to keep changing sparring around because there's so many aspects to it. Mm. People see it as one yeah. thing, it's about 4,000. Yes, yeah. Well, this is again coming down to the, you know, if you want to do self-defense, you need to do full contact all the time. No, you don't learn anything doing that. You, you learn an aspect of it. As I said, you learn how to give a punch, you learn how to take a punch. But you can just go out and pick street fights and do that. It, no need to learn a martial art to do that. You've got to learn the other stuff in a controlled and graded way. <clears throat> and people like different stuff. I mean, people, well, people come to karate at different levels. Someone will turn up who's a fighter and you can, okay, get in with this. And some people will turn up and they're scared of their own shadow. Hmm. You can't give them all the same sparring because one will get bored and one will be terrified. Well, this is the thing, again, way off topic now, but it's one of the things I see with the combative stuff that Brian goes to and a lot of the other roughy tufty stuff that you see is that the people that that attracts are the people who least need that skill set because they're not nervous people they're not small people they're not weak people you know they're not timid people because if they were they wouldn't go and walk through the door of those places so invariably the people who would benefit most from that sort of training are the least likely to go and get that sort of training so doing what we do you have to bring those people up to a level and you have to tone the other people down to a level and get them to learn something below a level below the confrontation and the violence. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, and that's it. It depends whether you are your dojo is sort of Cobra Kai. Whoever turns up here, basically, if you're not hard enough, fuck off. So mm -hmm. You're like you don't need to train them anyway or whether it's more miyagi dough and we'll accept people and we'll build them up mm -hmm. and, and, and that's you know i mean so our local we had a guy who came to us he's a quite a big strong guy and he'd done about a year or year and a half of karate and, and he went and said oh i'm thinking about doing some brazilian jiu-jitsu i was like yeah go for it it'll be really great and off he went and he's, he went twice and he's, and he's not a weak guy and he wasn't stupid. And they were, and he said, I went there and they beat me up. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. And he said, I went again to see if it was the same. And so they basically beat me up. And really it's just an initiation. Are you tough enough to be in our club? And he said, I don't want to be in a club like that. It's bollocks. Mm -hmm. yeah. No well, one actually to teach me anything. They just, you know, continually subbed him for like an hour and a half yeah. all the way through. What I would say there then, and I don't want to give them a plug necessarily, but I've only trained with Ben. This is where I found the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu that I did was better because it was very structured. They had it there set up for beginners and the culture was that we're all here to learn. We're doing this stuff at this level. There wasn't any hard guy stuff going on. Although you're basically doing that. Really? Yeah. But yeah. I, thought, I thought that was very suitable for, you know, I'm going there as a guy with, 20 odd years of karate experience when I went there I'm 16 stone I was 50 odd years old you know all right I'm not good at rolling around on the floor because I'm too big but I'm also not so shy or timid that it was going to scare me but I could see in that structure a good mix of people who were perfectly happy to be there and nobody was put upon uh, but you you saw all the other local BJJ groups slating him online and doing because they're just all the local hard guys who want to get together and beat up on some poor shit who's turned up through the door. But the other, I suppose the other end of the spectrum is, so when you went there, 
you probably can go, oh, I'm 20 years karate, I'm fucking hard and all that sort of thing. Like when I went to judo, you're like, right, I've gone to judo, this is judo, I'm a fucking beginner. Hmm. You teach me. And eventually they find out you've done some karate and you're like, yeah, okay. Because they go, actually, you know something about being on the floor, you know, some basic positions. You're like, well, I do karate. And they're like, they don't do floor work. And you go, or do they? <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, yeah. But, you know, if you go and you start trying to show off because you're this, that, and the other, then, well, like that guy you sent the video off the other day, Bry. Yeah, yeah. He got his ass kicked, didn't he? Did you have it with the volume up? Because that's a lovely yeah. slap. Yeah. <laughs> I assume this is the guy with the ponytail that we threw yeah, yeah. around a few yeah. years ago, but yeah. suddenly disappeared from the scene. Yeah, that was funny. So, but, but that, that's a problem with living in your own fantasy world and not going outside. His own hype. Yeah, yeah, believed his own hype. So if we get back on track, because I think yeah, we let's have do that. Let's steered up a little bit. So. <laughs> I think we've sort of talked a little about drip, drip on and, and, and Kumite and stuff. So I, I suppose the last thing in, in your regular class would be Kata. Mm-hmm. So I think we all still do Kata. Um, I'll, I'll say I don't do it as much as I used to in my old, you know, in, in, when I was training 3Ks. I, I, I do Kata every class, mm-hmm. but I don't train it as much to get it aesthetically pleasing. You know, I still like a good-looking kata, but that's the least of the point of me doing kata. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have to make the right shapes, do the right moves, but it doesn't have to necessarily have that sharp, crisp snap at the end of it. You could buy a special gi for that, which gives you that <laughs> that, that snap, <laughs> that's apparently. Belt, though, Bri. That's what I want to <laughs> I've got, I've got, I think I've got 99 euros just hanging around somewhere, and I yeah. don't know what to spend it on. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I do, I, I still like a good performance for, for the kata, but I won't spend a lot of the time in the class trying to get that, you know, again, I, th- I think you can give students pointers, right, you need to improve this, and like, like Bob said, you come here to learn, now go away and practice that, you know, because while you're here, you've got somebody that you, somebody that you can practice with, you know, so we'll, mm. we'll, we'll do, um, I, th- I think we're, we're changing the way we see this a little bit now, but we'll do the applications you know, we'll do the partner work from within the kata, you know, rather than spend a lot of time doing the kata itself. So, I mean, we talked about, we talked about you the other day, actually, Andy, the, the, the time we did a seminar with, with you, mm. you got us doing um, some, some bunkai for an hour. And, and at the end of it, it was like, well, what were you just doing? And it's when you taught us Hian Sandan. That's and so, so, yeah, you didn't even tell us what we were going to be doing. You just, right, you're going to do all these partner drills now. We did all these partner drills. And at the end of it, he just related it all to kata. And that's kind of the way we, 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 we sort of teach. Although the students will know what they're doing, you know, in, in the club. It's, we're, not, we're not keeping it a secret from them while mm. they're doing the partner drill. But it's a, it's a better way of doing it, isn't it? It's, you know, yeah. you learn the drills. Uh, we were saying that the, at present, we learn the drills alongside the kata. Mm-hmm. Um, but that'd be another discussion. Yeah. Well, see, I would say that I do much the same. Because we do our kata in the warm-up, or I, I do other kata, and, and I have different ways of approaching it, but I do the kata warm-up, and then I might occasionally say, okay, now I'll step out, I want you to do this kata again, do it again, do it a couple of times, and then I'll go through and just feed back where I see the problems in the performance of the thing. So we might spend 10, you know, by the time you've done a kata, 60 seconds to do a kata performance, do it two or three times, a couple of minutes, I'll point out a few things, do it again, Okay, we'll put that to bed. And that's our kata performance training for the day. And that might only happen once a month. Uh, but then we'll go on to saying, okay, we're going to work on these things now. And we're working, and it's purely arbitrary, this whole what kata we're working on. Because as I've said many times before, I can overlay the stuff that I teach on any number of kata. But if you pick a kata, these are the examples I'm working on. And because you're coming up through the grading system, this is sort of the kata that you're working on for your next grade. So we do the drills around that. And as you say, you do it alongside. So we'll do the kata and then it's okay, we're going to pick this part now. So it's this section and we're working on this. Or I may do it the other way around and we do a defense and then I'll relate it back to the kata. But it's fairly holistic. It's not done in isolation very much. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same as you two with that. Cat performance is not as big as it was, and 
applications fit with them and you can learn them at the same time. One of the things I've done for performance that I found quite useful um, is you get, you pair everyone up and not necessarily, I don't know, I usually like quite pairing up quite senior grades with quite low grades and you get them to do a cat they both know. So if it's a beginner, whatever cat you're starting with, mm -hmm. they both have to do it. And the senior grade watches the lower grade and we'll give them a couple of tips and that's fine. And then you do it the other way around and you get the beginner giving the senior grade tips and go, well, I think you did this wrong or that wrong. Mm -hmm. One, it makes the, them actually then go, I've got the power to actually question stuff. Yeah. So you've got to ask them. So usually I say, give them one thing that you think they did really well and ask them one question or give them one criticism. Are we allowed to use the word criticism now? Or learning opportunity or whatever the fuck you're meant to call it now. <laughs> and that and for the lower grades it's quite hard, but it gives them that mentality of okay, I can question and I can say, Yeah, this is not necessarily right. Yeah, just up. just because your belt is further up the line than mine yeah. doesn't mean yeah. that yeah. we do yeah, we do that as well. And then and then sometimes even you know, you, you can say to the, the, the seniors that if if they've done it enough times they would know, but they they, they can make an obvious mistake as well. You know, so if so, really, what so, you so call you want, it anyway, Brian, when you fuck up, is it? Sorry, <laughs> what you call it when you fuck it That's up? It, yeah, I made yeah. an obvious mistake there. What was it? I put that in there just to see if anybody would notice <laughs> and to see if anybody would call it. Yeah, but yeah, it, you know, because then it, it, it gets the senior, then <laughs> like, okay, what, 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 what's the common mistake that you're always telling that you know, those lower grades that they need to fix? You know, so um, yeah, they can put that in, and then hopefully the, the, the junior will spot it. And it's like, well, you know, there's, there's some of that you often hear. You know, so um, so yeah, that's a good practice, and we we do that. Yeah, it just struck struck me that the prime example of that not happening is uh, Goju Shiho Show and Die with Kanazawa. Hmm. Yeah, 30, thirty years of nobody saying anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because somebody made a mistake. I've got to be honest, if I was there, I'd be going, I just want to see how long it is. <laughs> Keep it going. Because that's cracking. Yeah. So I think the thing is, I mean, we've added, I mean, we don't want to talk about what we've added. We're talking about what we've taken away. We've added, you know, pad work throws, joint mm -hmm. locks, all these other things that people do. And I think the issue that we've all you come down to is time. Yeah. So, and we'll talk about this when we do the syllabus talk. But everyone goes, I want this and this and this and this and this and the syllabus. You've got a limited amount of time. Yeah. And you should have a limited amount of, and you've got to structure that as to what is more important. So. Yeah, you yeah. have. And, and this is again where I keep going back in this circle is that you have to allow for the fact that the time you've got in the dojo is the time you have to learn, not the time to repetitively practice stuff. You do the stuff there with partners because. You don't have the opportunity elsewhere, but anything that can be done solo, you have to put the students on their own recognizance to go away and practice that shit. So the issue, and, and that's why you grade them and test them. Yeah, and the issue, I think that's the issue with that is where people don't want to fail anyone when they grade. Is mm -hmm. that some people will go away and practice stuff and they'll do stuff, and some people won't. When it comes to grading, they go, well, I don't want to fail them. So both people end up passing, and then it gets to that. Someone yeah. who does three hours a week and no supplementary. And, and you can see it eventually is gets the same sort of rewards. I'm not saying any of us do this, but I've seen it as someone who does three hours in the dojo and then 10, 20, 30 hours at home. Yeah. If you do 30 hours at home, you're a bit of a sad wanker. Go and do something else. That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah. I needed other, other hobbies <laughs> when I was younger, I think. Because <laughs> I was exactly that. And I, I still do it now. Actually. Yeah. So, you know, I'll do training the club but I will go you know I, I spend more time training at home than I do in the, in the dojo hmm. and you should do that's the whole yeah. point yeah and it's not a point that's often made hmm. yeah like we've already said you know dojo time for me is, is partner time you know just got somebody that's going to hit me or I'm going to hit them you know or we're going to throw each other so yeah it's, 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 it's that partner training we've, we've mm -hmm. mentioned that many times before you know, so. yeah at home you can do your supplementary exercise yeah yeah the basic sort of key on or whatever you want to call it that you can do on your own if you've got a bag you can hit that yeah yeah aerobic and anaerobic workouts you can read you can watch dvds if that's you know I yeah but, it, 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 but i didn't want to show me age 
again, it comes down to why people are training. And I, and I think this is where we have a far smaller intake and a small, far smaller group in the applied karate world than the traditional world in as much as people who are coming to do what we want to do want to do what we're doing. People who go to the karate world, and this is a sweeping generalisation, by and large, just want to be doing something. It doesn't really matter what it is. So it's just, oh, for a couple of hours a week, I do this, rather than people who come and do what we're going to do and say, well, that's, that's what I'm interested in. I go there to learn this, and then I go and practice this, and I go and read about that. And, I... and you'll see the same people in 3Ks, but they're like the more elite competitors. You've got a small sub You can really see the difference. It's very obvious in 3Ks, the people for whom it's a passion, because they're the people who are really good at it. Yeah. You know. So if we were to... Sort of summarise. We, we started off with warm-ups. I think okay. we can, we I do can have say. one more thing just All to right. throw in, and it's still basically on the cat of thing, and it is just because it's sitting there on my list. Is the whole idea of grade-appropriate kata. Okay. Now I do have a progression on my syllabus for beginners coming up to probably about brown belt, which is based around the hien kata because that's where we work everything from, and that's what we do in our warm-up. But I don't have anything in my head that says yeah this kata is for this grade this kata is for this grade and this is a senior kata so you shouldn't be doing that until such and such a point basically for me any kata is open season if it demonstrates a principle or an activity that i want to get involved in that's the kata i will teach to everybody that is the kata that we will work and i don't care if you're a yellow belt doing goju shiho or mm. whatever it's not important to me. You know, there isn't any such thing as this cat is junior, this cat is senior, and this isn't appropriate for you to know at your level. Surely that's yeah. I was going to say, interestingly, sorry, go on, break. Go on. Yeah, yeah, because because it, it kind of goes with appropriate cat. And I, I listened to Ken Fu TV. It was Ken Knight. I don't know mm -hmm. if you. He's actually got a really good podcast. He does. And I think I hope I get this right because it was really good what he said. But when when his students get to the certain level and, and, and it's time to do the senior kata, um, it kind of tries to find the kata that suits them and, and for them to do that as well. So rather than you know in the in the traditional funny is um, syllabus, you've got okay. So from after basai dai, you learn kankadai. Then you learn for us it was like hungetsu, then jion jite. So there was an order that we would learn them. But yeah, the, the way Ken said it, it would, it would find a kata that suits the way that student that they build, the way they perform. You know the, yeah. what they. You can only do that for yourself though if you're exposed to all of them. Yeah, so as an instructor, I suppose, yeah, you would you would have to be. But uh, but I think the way you said it was that was their kata to work on. So they, they would still do other kata, mm -hmm. but that was the one that they would want to make their kata, you know, which kind of made sense to me when I was listening to that. It was, it was good. So, he said it way better than I just did. So I can watch that. <laughs> I mean, syllabus and how I teach are slightly different. I mean, they're not really. So generally, we do the he and kata first. Mm-hmm. Everyone learns all of those as they go up the ranks. And to be honest, whatever I'm working on, there's usually something in that that you can do. Because as we know, it's just yeah. movements. <clears throat> then we do techie, because then you go, look, this is the way other styles start. And look, all the stuff is exactly the same, but it's in yeah. a different format. Yeah. Then we do Basai, and then we do Kanku, because I think those two summarise what Shotokan is or was. Mm -hmm. Again, you look at Kanku, and you go, look, this is where the Hiankat came from. You start seeing the history of it, that and Basai sort of make up almost the Hian Kata. And then after that, there are no Kata. It's sort of, well, there are Kata. You have to do some. But as Ken does, it's like, right, well, you're choosing this Kata. We'll expose you to half a dozen, maybe. Mm -hmm. You choose one. You work on that. You work on the applications. You've seen how we've done it before. Yes. It's your turn now. And, and, and no one ever has to... There's no grade Katas then. If they want to do so... Alfie's gone straight into Goju Shiho. Mm -hmm. Show or die depends on yeah. what you want to say. He can say what he likes. It won't make any fucking difference to me. <laughs> someone's gone off and done Gion and someone's done MP. And, mm. and, it, and it's entirely up to them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just this whole notion that uh, no, 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 you shouldn't know that kata until your third Dan. That's a third Dan kata. Is it? Why the fuck's that? 
Well, because but, yeah, otherwise was, you would yeah. know what the third Dan's know because there's nothing else different in their training. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and learning so many is just another thing as well. So we used to do in the old association, all the Hians, Techie, Kanku, up to Black Belt. And then you'd get to choose one of five to do your Black Belt. Mm -hmm. you have second down, you had to know all those five, plus all the original Hians, Kanku, Techie, and choose one of another five. And third down, you had to know, and you know, it just went on. So you had to know all 26 cats when you were a third or fourth down or something. Yeah. Although I, I would say that's 27, but there you go. My brain hasn't got the space to fucking remember it. No. Yeah. Well, that's only because we included Takioka, Shodan, or Keon, Kata, wow. which which I don't believe you do, Andy, anyway. No, I dropped it because I couldn't see the point. Yeah. Although there's probably slightly more point to it. I still don't understand this Goju obsession with their two first catters being exactly the same except for two moves. Mm -hmm. No one can explain it to me to make me go, all oh, right, that makes sense. Well, this notion that, well, it's just, there's a different intent between one catter and the other. So you approach it in a different way. And the only way that makes sense for me there is exactly what we were saying is it's just fucking movements rather than defining it saying, well, we do this catter and it means this. We do exactly the same catter again. Now it means this. I mean, in some ways, that's quite a good lesson because it sort of goes, look, you're doing the same thing, but it could be a different thing. And that, that, that would be I mean, my only reason to see it. That's a conversation I have with Gavin Maholland. And I mean, you know, his progression idea is brilliant. It fits awesomely. It's really, really good. Mm -hmm. But I still don't get the idea of doing the same cat twice with one different <laughs> movement. So <laughs> Mainly probably because I'll fuck it up and mistake it and get it wrong. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, it could be that. Well, I, I think it's easy to say, isn't it? You've already got it wrong because you're doing Goju rather than Shudokan. Yeah. <laughs> let's split the room straight away hasn't it half the audience have just switched off yeah well so there's only there's only three people left listening there yeah those Wado people well that's not as good as show can anyway how <laughs> was it brian put it the other day is it these people turning up here at our chat with their pretend karate <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, and you wonder why we don't have much of a following <laughs> right Shall we wrap this up then? Sure, reckon. Now Bob's made his, uh, his, his final cat thought. Yeah, I think um, so. I think so. so uh, I think yeah. So I think we said if we if we sort of summarise the warm ups, we've, we've kind of we haven't dropped them. Obviously, we've just changed them. Yeah, haven't we? Um, if we go through the Kiranipon, uh, sorry, the five step, three step Kiranipon, just been dropped really, haven't they? Yeah. At the yeah. end of the day. Um, Juripon's a funny one, so not in the classical form, but as we said, it leads on to sparring. We we kind of we, we spar in certain in certain forms or certain ways. So I suppose that I wouldn't say that we're doing Juripon by doing that. No. But yeah. So really warm up some kata <laughs> we've kept. <laughs> yeah, except we've changed both the warm-ups and the kata. <laughs> so but yeah, I mean. Yeah. So what we've said we've dropped, so I think next time then it would be a good thing what we would put in. Would be a good chat, maybe. Oh, has Andy dropped yeah. out? I think is so. that enough? I think yeah. that, well you, you were winding up anyway, so presumably yeah. he's wound so up. We'll say, yeah. So so yeah, I think uh, what we've put in. Would, yeah, that's that's a, gonna be a you say that's quite a big old discussion, isn't it? Because mm. it revolves around virtually everything I do. Hmm. because if you if i look at what i've reality what i've kept from my old approach is the fundamental body mechanics and the shapes of the kata and that's all pretty yeah. much but yeah i think if we if we talked about what we've dropped i, thought, I suppose we need to let people know what we've put in mm -hmm. there he is he's back there he is hey. <laughs> Well, thanks yeah, for joining so, us. I think, yeah, I think we finished anyway, Andy. So, yeah, we would. I think we said, yeah, next time perhaps we could talk about what we've put in. So, if we said what we've dropped, I suppose it'd be a good thing to say what we've put in It'll and why. Yeah, mm -hmm. Bob said yeah. it's going to be a big chat. Well, it's it's like I was saying for that few seconds that you dropped out there. I could just play the recording to you, but uh, <laughs> he'll never listen. But the real no, he won't do it. He'll get bored before then. But fundamentally, when I look at the way I train. I'm saying all I've really kept, although it sounds like I've dropped some limited things, 
is the body mechanics from the Keon and the form of the Kata. Everything else I do is different in some way or another to a level. Yeah. But for me, that sounds about right, actually. But for me, the body mechanics and the shape of the kata are the only things that define it as karate. The rest of it is just methodology. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think I think we have finished them, haven't we? One thing I think would be a good thing to do when you put this on YouTube, Bob, and I don't think mm -hmm. it takes a lot to do, is to timestamp it. So we've, mm -hmm. we've done warm ups, we've done line line drills and, and it. so I think you can timestamp each part of that. so if somebody is, is particularly interested in a particular part you know mm -hmm. if they think okay line work I'd rather listen to that I don't need to listen to the warm-up bit if you timestamp so I think you just put a time at when that's when that part of the conversation starts um because okay. you normally listen through anyway don't you so yeah. I always have a listen myself actually um so. <laughs> well as I've said many times before it's the only way I know what we've talked about yeah, I see. Yeah, it, it's the thing from the kid that I saw that uh, sort of summed it up. It said, I don't know what I said. I wasn't listening to me. 